Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is episode six of Weekside Wednesdays here on season three of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. For those of you all who are new to the show, welcome. For those of you all who have been here before, welcome back. Now, this is going to be a quicker show than normal. Uh, right behind the curtain, I am kind of back on schedule now. Uh, this is being recorded on Thursday, October 19th, um, and I'm in the Philadelphia airport. All right, so you got to do what you got to do sometimes and make sure you get things that go down and hold up to your end of the bargain. I made a bargain with myself to try to get back on schedule, and this is one of the ways I had to do it, but we're going to give it a shot. So for you all who are uh, are new to the show, here's what Weekside Wednesday is. This is the free-form version of the show. I basically go over topics that interest me in the NFL as well in the college ranks sometimes, and just it, it's the relaxed fit show. You know, there's three other versions of the show. Fantasy Football Friday is pretty self-explanatory. Thursdays are Turf Talk Thursdays, where I discuss the games that are coming up on the slate. And then Make Good Monday is where I address the what happened the prior week to make sure that I made good on and hold myself accountable for what I told you on Turf Talk Thursday. All right, folks, so we're going to go ahead and jump into this. We're going to discuss just a couple of topics, uh, little things like trades going on or possible trades. You know, it's going into week seven of the NFL season, so there's a lot. So I want to get you the information out for the Thursday night football game before it starts, since I'm going to be uploading this kind of close to the time, and I want to get you some information. All right, so the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking on the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. Um, This one seems um, like a straightforward game to me. You have two defenses that are playing pretty good football. One that's really high-level upper echelon, the New Orleans Saints. The other one in Jacksonville that's been opportunistic. They lead the NFL in turnovers with 15 so far this season. You have a Saints offensive line that is missing both its starting starting tackles. Now, when you say that, that sounds weird to say that they're missing both of their starting tackles. And I don't feel as bad about this line as I did when they had their day one starting tackles in. Ryan Ramchak is an actual good player. He's a fringe pro bowler, uh, has been before, if I'm not mistaken. But you have Trevor Penning, who the young man is just not either ready to play football or just isn't good at football. One of the two, I'm going to go with the former and hope that he learns because he was a first-round pick somehow. Um, as I said, I thought he was a day three pick. That That's my opinion, and he's played like an undrafted free agent that shouldn't have gotten signed that's how he's played but it doesn't mean that he can he needs to be there for the rest of his career but they should have Andrews Pete starting at left tackle today for James Hurst and they should have Cam Irving starting at right tackle I actually don't think the line will be as much of an issue this week as people might believe especially without Trevor Penning being on the field Um, he just wasn't unable to handle what was coming at him I think the Saints will be able to move the pocket if they're smart to help Derek help that offensive line and also help Derek Carr get on on track. Shorter passes also scheme up some deep shots, but basically put some things where some guys are open over the middle of the field. You can take advantage of this Jacksonville team in that area. As far as Jacksonville on their offense, Trevor Lawrence is injured, and one of the issues that's going to happen is Trevor Lawrence does utilize his legs quite a bit to get out of the pocket or at least move well in the pocket to extend plays and make things happen. So, he's injured, if you didn't know, with a a knee bruise or a bruised knee, and that's going to kind of limit that. I think the Saints are probably going to play good enough football against them and limit Trevor Trevor 
Travis Etienne. His little brother's Trevor plays for University of Florida. And here's what's going to happen in my mind. I do think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are currently a better team than New Orleans Saints because they are operating at a higher level right now. But circumstances come into play. One of the circumstances is they were in London for two weeks, then came home. Now they're on a short week on the road. New Orleans, they were on the road last week, but they were in Houston. Short drive. I have the Saints winning this one in a close, fairly ugly game, 20-17. to 17. Um, The line when I made this was two points. It actually moved from being, I think it was uh, even to start, if I'm not mistaken. But I didn't see that. I just heard that. But it was a two on Caesar Sportsbook when I made this, and it might be a two and a half now. People are favoring the Saints. So I have the Saints covering that two points by one point. I have them winning by three. Uh, I only have a conference level of three on this. I think that the Saints can win this game. I can also see Jacksonville winning this game if Lawrence is healthier than it seems like he is, and the Saints refuse to change things up. Uh, the over-under is 40 points. I have 37 combined, which is the under. That's four points for confidence level because... I can't see this game going over. I can see the both teams, especially the Saints, trying to push it and score points to prove that they can. It's one of the weird things. They have been playing close to the best um, because they know that their defense is good, but I think that they try to score points this week to prove a point. So that's my assessment of this week's game. Now I'm going to go on to some of the stories that I wanted to cover. Um, the first one is related to trade talks and a player in Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is probably one of the loyalist and delusionally loyal players in the NFL. What do I mean by that? Uh, Saquon Barkley has deserved so much better than what the Giants have given him in his career. I know he may care about the people in the organization, and that's not a problem. He may care about his teammates. And that is not a problem. He may care about his coaching staff, etc. The problem is that organization has not cared enough about him. And what do I mean by that? Didn't want to pay him. For anyone who wants to say, well, it's the right financial decision considering how running back, blah, 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 blah. I want you to shut the hell up. And the reason I want you to shut the hell up is because playmakers, not positions. Saquon Barkley is one of the 10 best playmakers in the entire NFL. You want on offense, it's arguable that he's one of the five best, but I'm going to stick with 10 best offensive playmakers. Quarterbacks are out of that equation. Defensive players are out of that equation. It's playmakers. It's the Tyreek Hill, the Justin Jeffersons. It's it's the Christian McCaffreys. You know, those are playmakers. You know, even Travis Kelsey would probably be a playmaker for what he does, even though he's not actually a playmaker. He's more of a uh a quality addition to Patrick Mahomes. And that's not trying to slight him. I just mean, if you put him on a different team, I don't think he has the same type of uh, inspiration or, or impact is a better word. Uh, but with the other guys I listed, you put them on any other team, they're going to be playmakers no matter what. So Saquon Barkley has been, for the most part, disrespected by this team they didn't, didn't want to pay him they gave him a bonus that was absolutely asinine did not remove their ability to tag him next year they gave him a bonus uh, or additional near 100 near 1 million dollars on top of his franchise tag for those of you all who don't know if they if he hit these markers personally and they made the playoffs anyone with eyes before the season knew the giants had a zero percent chance to make the playoffs so they basically just told him screw you the number two they didn't remove the ability to franchise tag him next year. Double screw you. 
I know you say you don't, don't want to be traded, but Saquon, respectfully, let someone else handle this for you and just go out and ball because that organization doesn't deserve you and you deserve the ability to leave that organization and go to one that can actually win some games. Speaking of trades, uh, Terrence Marshall, former LSU Tiger, is seeking a trade or has been given the okay by the Panthers to seek a trade. Um, this one makes sense. Um, old regime drafted him. They never really utilized him well. Uh, Terrence Marshall, me, is an NFL receiver, but he's a low-level NFL receiver, like a lower end. I think he was overdrafted. That doesn't mean he doesn't have talent. I think he should have been drafted, you know, more in the fourth, fifth round range. I think he went in the second, pretty sure. That being said, you know, he hasn't been able to separate. He hasn't been able to do certain things that you need a top-flight receiver to do. He's more of a complimentary piece at this point. And if they're not going to use him at all, you know, and they're trying to use Jonathan Mingo, who, let's go ahead and be honest, Terrence Marshall's a better receiver than Jonathan Mingo every day of every week. Uh, that's another guy who he's more talented, like physical talent, but he's not a better wide receiver than Terrence Marshall is, especially at this stage of their careers. But they're using, trying to use Jonathan Mingo more often. They're using DJ Chark, who he's a vet, but come on. And Adam Thielen's doing Adam Thielen things. Adam Thielen busted on the scene because he's a guy who understood body control, route running, and was quote unquote sneaky fast. Um, I think people didn't think he was fast outside of him being a white man. Um, because he runs flat-footed. That's uh, kind of how uh, Travis Etienne runs flat-footed or even Garrett Wilson runs flat-footed. So it looks like they're not running as fast as they actually are. But, yeah, I understand why a guy like Thielen is getting lots of playtime over him. I can even see Chark getting more playtime than him. But the fact that Terrence Marshall is not getting more playtime, he definitely should be traded. I don't have a team in mind that he should go to. which is kind of thinking through where he could go for it to be beneficial for both teams. So you're going to allegedly look at the other conference, the AFC. <sighs> There's a pretty natural fit, it feels like, but he wouldn't probably want to go there because of what's going on. Uh, the New England Patriots feel like a pretty common fit for him. Or if you want to get the band back together and they don't want to pay someone because they're going to pay Jamar Chase, they may not pay T. Higgins. What if you send them to Cincinnati? Uh, he can definitely be the number four receiver in that situation for right now. Get paid to a lower level to replace T. Higgins, who he's not as good as, but get the band back together with him, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. And then there's some sad news. I mean, it's not, you know, tragedy news, but it's sad for the game and sad for the player. And that's confirmation that Anthony Richardson's going to have season ending surgery on his shoulder. Uh, people have been talking about Anthony Richardson and how to handle him, uh, to be honest. Um, and I should have made this transition. I should have discussed another topic, but I do this wild card situation with stuff like this in this show. But I'll get back to that in a second. I want to continue to discuss Anthony Richardson. He needs to learn how to fall. Um, anytime Anthony Richardson's been hurt, people are like, is he fragile or what? Blah, blah, blah. Every time I saw him get injured. It was him hitting the ground on that terrible, terrible turf uh, for the Colts. Whether it was a knee issue or him against the Texans where he ran into the end zone. And he did something weird that I see a lot of guys do that I just purely hate. Where they do the slow down step and I'm like, run the fuck through the ball. Just run through the end zone. Just run. Stop with this little stupid fake because it does nothing for you. But he did that. He gets hit in the end zone instead of like 
thinking he wasn't going to get hit. I don't think he thought he was going to get hit. He gets hit, and then he falls head first. And then this one with the AC joint, he allows the guy to turn him and drive him into the, the ground on his shoulder instead of kind of getting down. Um, he needs to learn how to take hits. Um, I don't think it's a and, – and this is me saying this for you all uh, who are on the couch who may have played junior high or even high school football and don't remember – how uh, getting hit feels, or especially for you who've never played. Um, none of these dudes are punks. None of these dudes are soft. So just shut the hell up. What it is is Anthony Richardson is not used to getting hit because who the hell was catching him? So he's not used to taking those types of hits. He's not used to how to protect himself. He needs to learn that during this time off, how to protect himself. Tua had to learn this also. I mean, for different purposes, but yes, Tua, who had a, one of the most horrifying brain, like head injuries I've ever seen against Cincinnati last year, needed to learn how to actually fall. This is a thing. So while he needed more reps, and I'm, it's sad that he's not going to get the reps this year on the field, he can get the reps he really needs, which is learning how to freaking take a hit. Looking at the times he's taken hits, whether it's in college or the NFL, and what could be done with him protecting his body. And for some of those University of Florida fans who I used to hear say, he was being soft, he was a punk, and didn't run. I truly hate your opinion. Truly think it's despicable. Because I know some of you all, and you all can't take a damn hit. You wouldn't take a hit from me. Trust me, you don't want that smoke. Um, but yeah, it's sad that a young player who didn't need the reps wasn't uh, able to finish out the season. And... The fun part is he looked much better than some guys who have way more reps than him. He looked better as a quarterback. He had some still issues to work through, but he looked a lot better than people expected. But the reason it was a bad transition is speaking of quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks, Bryce Young. You know, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina right now, and one of the things that I unfortunately have on when I get into a vehicle is local talk radio. And Some of the people do a really good job. Some of the people do a horrendous job. And there was talk way back in week two before the Saints game. A lady was saying, basically, you know, he needs to prove this, this, and this. Man played one damn game of relevance. Literally one NFL game against the Atlanta Falcons at that point. And then he didn't play well against the Saints and blah, blah, blah. And then Andy Dalton came in and people were like, see, Andy Dalton should be the starter. Literally, this was said. Um, and then he looked good last week. He didn't look amazing but he looked good he looked normal and comfortable again i'm gonna get this off my chest real quick i know that part of the reason that people have shows whether it's from the top level national shows all the way to the local radio is to inspire and affect people's emotions because that's what drives listenership and viewership i hate it i hate the days of when we used to get real sports talk in the football used to be able to be discussed. And not only was it discussed, it was meaningful. And not only was it meaningful in discussion, there was context and nuance. Now it's hot takes, it's TMZ, it's awful and it's trash. That's the number one thing. But then there's the number two thing that really gets on my damn nerves. I want someone to give me some bites from when Trevor Lawrence was thinking up the goddamn joint two years ago in Jacksonville. Let me know how the local radio talked about him because I have no proof, but I don't think they talked nearly as bad about him over that stinky, funky, shitty year that he had under Urban Meyer as they have about this year, which is not as stinky, funky, and shitty for Bryce Young, where they were asking for the, the backup to replace him. 
I don't think that. But, hey, go ahead and pull it and tell me. Or the people who lived in Jacksonville, you tell me how they sounded about Trevor Lawrence. Because one thing I can tell you this. If the Panthers, quote-unquote, draft number one overall again like the Jacksonville Jaguars, literally the year after getting touchdown Jesus, had to draft number one overall the following year. Just remember, Trevor Lawrence, who, by the way, this is not a Trevor Lawrence issue as far as him. That dude is a good quarterback who busts as great human. And I think he's going to be a really good quarterback for a long time. It's not a him thing. It's a you thing. You're the problem. Your perception of people is the problem. Bryce Young is just as good, although different, prospect as Trevor Lawrence. Their frames couldn't be more different. But as far as NFL production and getting the job done and playing quarterback, they are the same level of prospect. That's my opinion. You can tell me I'm wrong, but a lot of your favorite analysts have been more wrong than me for the entirety of their damn career when it comes to quarterback. So if you want, you know, production, lean towards me over most of the people who you believe know what the hell they're talking about. And why I'm saying this is because Bryce Young deserves better. Trevor Lawrence, if people were talking shit about him in his rookie year, deserved better. These are young players. 21, 22 years old. I remember some of you when you're 21 and 22. I'm surprised you're not dead. Because you were doing jackass stunts and jumping off of 12-foot walls. All I'm saying is, why don't people just be a little more consistent with how they judge folks, especially when folks look different? And then on the sports side of it, I know you want to Increase your viewership and listenership and all that. But why don't you try to stop being TMZ and start being uh, shows that actually analyze the game? Because honestly, and I say this with all due respect, it's beneath some of you all who are honestly such high level reporters and some of you who are actual analysts to go so uh, lowbrow and base level. I want to get out the NFL because I'm tired of talking about that stuff. And I want to move on to college football and just a quick overview of some of the quarterbacks that are eligible for the 2024 NFL draft. Now, these are just the guys who I'm aware of, who I also have seen some of. I'll be looking at more, but I'll also be looking at, obviously, other positions. But quarterback is the position where I make my hay and I'm pretty good at this. So I'm going to give you my top five quarterbacks. I'm going to give you my next five. And then. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to give you my top five, then my next five, and then some other notes, notables that I've seen play and who are doing a good job this year and need some consideration. Maybe not as a top-level pick, but need some consideration as a drafted quarterback. I mean, look what we just did with Brock Purdy, right? So I'm going to start with my top five picks. Number one is Caleb Williams. Let's go ahead and get this out of the way. Caleb Williams is still that dude. I don't care if he had a bad game. One of the problems that you kind of come across is you're going to have bad games, folks. You're going to have them. They're going to happen. Now, it was an awful, awful game, but bad game nonetheless, whatever. So, but he's the number one quarterback. He's going to end up with a really high grade, a higher grade, most likely, than Bryce Young or Trevor Lawrence, probably in that Mahomes-Burrow range. 
uh, for pre-draft grade. Number two is Michael Penix Jr. Michael Penix Jr. is literally the quintessential quarterback of two decades ago. Um, I think he'll end up getting dinged and for having two knee surgeries. But Michael Penix is that guy. He spins the ball. He wins from the pocket. Can he move outside the pocket? He certainly can. I mean, his high-level athleticism isn't his biggest thing. It's that strong arm that looks not as strong as it really is because lefties, for some reason, the spin just makes it look like it's coming out slower than it actually is. Those dudes be spinning the ball. Mike, Michael Penix Jr. probably has the strongest arm in this class, um, or at least of these top quarterbacks that I'm going to list. But he spins the ball. Dude's not scared. He's got a lot of quality anticipation and accuracy. I think that he is a high-level quarterback and can step in and start immediately. I hate saying it like this, but um, there are some quarterbacks like a Russell Wilson who he should replace immediately um, if given the opportunity. Number three is Jaden Daniels. Um, and by the way, I will be putting down some ducats on Jaden Daniels as a Heisman Trophy winner as soon as I get to Las Vegas at the beginning of the month because I want to see a little more. And then I think they play Alabama that weekend, um, November 5th, maybe. And if they do, on November 1st, when I get in there, I'm putting money down on him to win the Heisman because he's been the best player in the country this year, not the best prospect. He's been the best player. Consider this. LSU's defense has been trash, and it's not that it doesn't have some te- uh, talent. It's just a bad confluence of, yes, they're not as talented as they have been in the past, combined with some interesting coaching and techniques being taught and scheme. So he's had to make these big plays and score 40 points every game to make them relevant and make them be 5-2 and two like they are right now. Hell, they could have beaten Ole Miss, but the ball went right through the young man's hands, and it's no shade that was a difficult catch at the end of the game. Number four is Shador Sanders. Um, Shador, for what he has in spades as far as his poise and his understanding of the game for the most part, one of the things that he doesn't have is the high-level talent of the, the three guys I just listed. He doesn't have the arm strength of Michael Pittness Jr. He doesn't have the athleticism of Jaden Daniels. And he doesn't have the playmaking ability of Caleb Williams. He has, you know, C-plus versions of all those things. And it's why he is more than a good quarterback. Um, he's He is a first-round caliber quarterback, a lower first-round pick, maybe even early second round. But... I like what Shador Sanders has to offer. He's not going to be phased by big moments. And some of these quarterbacks that people are riding on are phased by big moments and don't throw the ball the same in the big moment as they do when things are comfortable. My number five guy is a guy who a lot of people keep putting up with Caleb Williams. And to be candid, please stop. It's not close. I don't care what you say. I've watched some of it and I'll continue to watch. If you want a shirt and shorts competition of throwing the ball like seven on seven, it can be similar. But Drake May is not making the plays that Caleb Williams makes. And this whole structure and out of structure thing, I've used it as well to describe basically what coaches want. See, one of the things, and there's a guy who I like, I'm not going to get into it, but um, a lot of people who judge quarterbacks, they judge them as quarterback coaches would judge them or head coaches would want. They want guys to be exactly where and how they want them to be. They want to know exactly what they're going to do. And they want them to run their plays exactly the same way. They want a guy in quote-unquote structure. Okay, the problem is those guys exist all over the place. Those are usually the guys who 
weren't physically gifted enough to do things out of structure, to uplift situations. See, the guys who generally win, especially in this generation, let's take Tom Brady out of it, that win Super Bowls can do things out of structure. They can elevate and go past just the structure. But like this, here's the here's the comp that I would do on this. Because again, Drake May, I think, is a good quarterback. I think he is a late first round, early second round quarterback. And people are going to call me a hater, but he's going to go in the top 10. I'm, I'm going to assure you that, trust me, the system wants what the system wants. I'm just telling you what his talent justifies from what I've seen on the field. But it's this comparable. Would you rather LeBron James or... Seth Curry, not Steph Curry, Seth Curry. Here's what I'm getting at. Now, that's a big stark difference. And hell, let's go ahead and do Steph Curry. Okay, would you want LeBron James or Steph Curry? Okay, ask yourself that real question. Now, what the quarterback coach would want as far as a structure, they'd say, hey, LeBron, hey, Steph, I want you to become a better shooter from 15 and back, especially from three-point range. LeBron's like, okay. And these are rookie versions of them. Okay, um, no, I'll work on that. No, I need you to be that right now. Okay? The reason that quote-unquote structure has not been a thing is because in high school, some of these uber-talented guys, that quote-unquote structure was unnecessary. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't learn how to play and do the things they need to do and have footwork, etc. They just used to have to supersede it. Then you get to college. A lot of these systems are built in certain ways to make sure that they make things easier on quarterbacks so sometimes the going above and beyond isn't necessary the reason I was using that comparable with LeBron James and Seth Curry, Steph Curry is because you know what LeBron James didn't need to shoot three-pointers in high school or early in his NBA career because he could consistently get to the cup and who the hell was stopping him Steph Curry had to learn that because he couldn't consistently get to the cup against even competition and a lot of people stopped him. So, hey, let me pull up and shoot these threes. I'm saying that because this whole Drake May versus a guy like Caleb Williams thing. Drake May will get you to the playoffs. Caleb Williams will win you a Super Bowl. That's the big difference. And if you're playing just to kind of be in that Kirk Cousins level scenario where your team's always going to be pretty good. Yeah, Drake May's a guy. He's the guy. But if you want to win Super Bowls, you want to compete with the Josh Allen's and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrows of the world and Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and even Justin Herbert. Although that one is the next tier down by a lot. You're not going to do it with Drake May. You know what you're going to end up with Drake May? You're going to end up with hopefully you have a really good team around him. And Drake May doesn't need to win you the game. Not that he can't. He just hasn't shown that he can yet. Kayla Williams has shown me that before. So we're going to move on to the next five real quick. And we're going to go with uh, Riley Leonard out of uh, Duke. I don't think this guy is a high-level quarterback in the NFL. But what I love about him is he's got a lot of dog in him. He's got a lot of Josh Allen to his his thought process. But he's not as talented, not as physically gifted. So I think that he's more of a second-rounder. But I'll say like this. If he refines a few things, I think I might like him more than I like Drake May. But right now, if I had to, based on what I've seen pick quarterbacks, I'd have to pick him behind Drake May. My number seven guy would be Bo Nix. Now, I made a lot of fun of Bo Nix when he was at Auburn because, honestly, I didn't see the five-star. 
to be candid, until recently I didn't see the five-star, and I still don't see the five-star talent. Um, Bo Nix should have probably never been a five-star, but here we are. I will give him credit for this. Bo Nix got some dog to him, too. Bo Nix will go out there and put his body on the line and try to make plays. Bo Nix is not scary, um, but he does not have the requisite talent to be a high-end quarterback. Basically, Bo Nix is a souped-up version of like a Taylor Heineke. Um, that's more of a late day two, early day three pick, you know, that, that third to fourth round pick. And also part of it is he's older, like he's not, you know, 26, but he's older. So that means he's basically going to end up being a little more refined than some other guys. Then there's Cam Ward. I like Cam Ward. Some of the things about his game, I just need to see a little more from, but I like Cam Ward. I like what he does. So he's number eight. He's right behind Bo Nix. Renan J.J. McCarthy right now. I see some of the physical tools, but I don't think as we sit right now, he would probably benefit from coming back to college just so these other quarterbacks can pass. And for his sake, he can go first round. I don't think he's a first round pick. I've seen people mock him there, and it's possible that he goes in the first round. But if he goes in the first round this year, I know unless he goes to a perfect organization for him that he is not going to have the same success he might have otherwise. And then Jordan Travis currently sits in number 10. Jordan Travis does a lot of things, quote unquote, outside of structure that I really like. But he also, he just hasn't been as consistent and also that age. I think a lot of the reason he plays as well as he does in some moments is because he is an older guy. I think he's the oldest guy on the list of guys that I just named, including Bo Nix. Now, here's some guys that you should get familiar with who I have seen, who I think are playing good football. TJ Finley, um, as Emory has coined him, Big Ponchatoula. Uh, went to LSU, then went to Auburn. Now he's at Texas State, and he's out there dealing. Go look up his stats. Go look at him play. That guy is doing the work, and he's got all the physical tools. Probably the strongest arm out of anyone who I've listed today, and that concludes Michael Penix Jr. Grayson McCall. I've been a huge Grayson McCall fan since he was a redshirt freshman. The problem is, ever since he took that hit in that bowl game uh, a season ago, um, he hasn't looked right. Uh, he ran to the end zone, fell on his head, on his neck, and he left the game. Um, that was at the end of the 21 season, so in the 22. Um, he hasn't looked right. He didn't look right last year. He didn't look right so far this year. He just looks kind of average and mediocre uh, compared to a guy who really looked like an NFL quarterback prior to. And then DJ Ugalele, who's playing at Oregon State, he actually looks comfortable. I'm wondering if this is a good case study in the mental portion of the game, quote-unquote, the ability for you to um, actually feel comfortable affects how you play. You know, he's from Hawaii, I believe. Um, and now he's out on the West Coast. I don't know if he was comfortable at Clemson. I don't know how the coaching staff was with him at Clemson. I'm not accusing them of anything. He just never seems comfortable. And looking at him now, I've only seen him in two games. Uh, UCLA game was one of them. The last one, I should say. Night and day difference. The guy looks confident. He's throwing the ball. He's got a big arm. He's a big, big guy. He looks like a quarterback again. He at Clemson looked lost. So that's a big thing. All right, folks, I'm going to close this show up because I need to get out of this minute suite and uh, get to my hotel. So for episode six of Weekside Wednesday here on season three of the Shopping Up with CJ podcast, this is Chris James signing off. Um, remember to follow me on Twitter slash X for some football related content. My handle on all social medias is at CJ Florida nine. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Thanks. Take care.
拜拜。